Good morning, church. I know Bishop always got a video, but, you know, I decided to switch things up a little bit. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay. Well, I'm going to require some participation this morning. I know sometimes we like to go ahead and stay quiet, but, you know, I'm, I'm okay with you all going ahead and, and, you know, calling back at me, speaking at me. I, I, I'm okay with that. So this morning, I want to go ahead and read from the book of Luke. So if you can't go ahead and stand together because it is church, so we're going to do some church aerobics, up, down, up, down, up, down. So come on and stand to your feet as we read the word of the Lord together. We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 19, and I'm going to read from uh, starting in verse 1 through 10. And it says, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Say Jericho. Jericho. Now behold... There was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Thank you, man. That's why you're in here. I got a witness. Uh, <clears throat> who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Say rich. rich. Mm. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Say joyfully. But when they saw it, hmm, haters... They all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. <gasps> Gasp. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it fourfold. And then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because he, is, he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Dear God, just excited to hear what your word has to teach us today, dear God. I pray that we would have open hearts to God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying tonight, today, this morning, dear God. And I pray, dear Lord Jesus, that you will use me mightily in these next few moments, dear God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. don't leave. Just sit down, please. So I know you're used to just leaving afterwards. So if, uh, does everybody have an outline? Everybody got an outline? If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand. and usher will come by and hook you up with an outline. Taking notes is important. No mind is sharper than a pencil. Okay? So just saying. If you write it down. You know, you're more than likely to go ahead and remember it. Because I believe that this week, y'all are going to have some conversations that's going to go ahead and come back to this sermon. And so y'all are going to want to go ahead and make sure that you take some notes. Amen? Amen. God wants to use Say, God wants to use me. Oh, my. Say, God wants to use me. Now, believe it, because it's true. It's true. I'm going to go ahead, and if you follow along in the um, sermon outline... There is an introduction, and it's a confession. It says, I don't know about you, but I am guilty of treating others as less than. I am. 
At times, I see people that are dirty or maybe dress a certain way, maybe stinky, you know, and think to myself, thank you, I'm going to bury my face in my phone, hallelujah, praise the Lord for the phones, right, or pretend to be distracted so as not to look at them. Y'all ever done that? That's right. When it's the Girl Scout cookies, I'm out and about. I'm like, yes, come, please. How much is, I don't even care how much it is. I think the price went up this year, but that's neither here nor there. Sometimes I walk away ashamed and think that person is made in the image of God, just like me. Maybe I should treat them better. <laughs> Maybe. We are called to make disciples. But in order to do that, people need to first put their faith and trust in Christ and his finished work. But for people to put their faith and trust in Christ, they need to hear the gospel. But no one usually wants to hear anything you have to say until you have earned the right to say it. That happens when we treat people, say people, even those we may view as undesirables with dignity, respect, and grace. Today, we will see the master at work. He is amazing. Jesus, man, Jesus is awesome. Amen? Amen. When he does something, he does it perfectly. So the first point that you'll see here is Jesus intentionally sought relationship with society's outcasts. We saw that in the woman at the well. We saw that with the prostitute. Now we see it here with Zacchaeus, right, the chief tax collector in that area. So then I began thinking of those people around me that I have in my past seen as those social outcasts. And when I think about social outcasts, I think about high school because it's rampant, right? In high school, I mean, I was like, man, okay, there's one, there's one, there's another one, there's another one. I was so judgy back then. God, what was wrong with me? I have no idea. I didn't have Jesus. That's what it was. I was living for myself. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this girl. Her name was Grace. Grace was such a sweet girl, but she was a little heavy set, you know, and, and she just, I don't know. I don't know what it was about this girl, but she was just one of those that I was like, mm, I ain't, I'm not trying to see, I'm not trying to talk to her, I'm not even trying to be around her because she was a social outcast. So God is funny, and he got a sense of humor. So I remember I was taking a class with Grace. We were some government class, economics, something. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But guess who my partner was? It was Grace. So I had to sit next to Grace. So I'm like, hello, my name is Aldo. She's like, hi, my name is Grace. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. I know. But I got to talking to Grace. And it was so funny because Grace and I, we had a lot in common. And as we began to talk, it was so easy to talk to her because we had a lot of common interests. But I was never, you know, I would never have gone to grace intentionally. I would never have started a conversation with her. So it was awesome. We worked on this project together. It was, a, we got a great grade, obviously, because, you know, if you're on my team, we're going to win because I'm all about winning. <laughs> Horrible. And so at the end of the project, the end of the project, the project ended, right? And I would like to say, I would like to say that Grace and I became the best of friends. 
But again, this is high school, okay? So guess what happened between me and Grace? I were, yeah, we were no longer friends. I was like, I'm out. See you later. And that story bothers me, even to this day. Even to this day. God puts people in our lives. Those people that we were like, hmm, not so much. I don't, I don't, we don't have anything in common. I don't want to talk to that person. That person's this, that person's that, that person's the other thing. All these things, right? But what if God wants to use you? What if God wants to use you to make an impact, an eternal impact on that person's life? What are you going to say? No, I, I don't want to be around that person. I don't want other people to. Who cares about that? We're talking about eternity, are we not? So a little embarrassment on my part, is it not worth it? You can say amen. 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 It's worth it. It's worth it. Ay, grace. I hope I see her again. If I do, I'm going to apologize. <laughs> I am going to apologize and ask for forgiveness. It's crazy. We go back to the story. We see Zacchaeus was so interested and curious to see who Jesus was that he cast off any type of dignity. Now, mind you, this guy was rich, right? He was a baller. He, and he had authority in that area. But he's like, I don't care. I'm going to go ahead and climb this tree like a little. You ever climbed a tree? You ever find a tree that it's got those low-lying branches so it's easy to climb? And then you climb up and up and up and up and you're like, wow, man, look at all this thing. I like that. I used to climb trees until I fell down one time and then the climbing was over. I was like, no more tree climbing for me. We need to be on the lookout. Amen? This guy was climbing up in a tree. And Jesus was coming with this crowd of people. And he stopped and he says, yeah, you in that tree. <laughs> you in that tree. Come down. I got I to gotta be with you today. We got to meet. We got to talk. We need to be on the lookout as we're making our way and through our busy lives, looking out for those people that God is placing in our path, stop, say, hey, I need to meet with you. We have some important things to discuss. Amen? That's good stuff. Y'all are really loud today. I'm going to need you to go ahead and calm down just a little bit. Please, please. We cannot look at upon, upon others and say, nah, they don't need to hear what I have to say. Or they, you know, I don't really want to get with them. Let me tell you another story. Um, at work, I am the same way that I am here. I like to smile. I like, I like to laugh. I like to joke around. And I like to be serious about my work. So I remember one time, one of the doctors that I work with, on a regular basis, he pulled me aside. He said, Aldo, does anything go wrong in your life? I'm like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. He's like, but why... Why do you always have a smile on your face? Why? Now, mind you, this particular physician, he has diversified his portfolio. The guy has like 10 rental properties. He's got this. He's got that. He's got the other thing. 
my man has told me that he doesn't even have to work. He doesn't have to work. He's good. But that man seemingly has everything, right? Seemingly on the outside, it looks like he's got it all together. And yet, he doesn't have the most important thing, or should I say the most important person in his life. There is still something missing. So even those that we may see may look like they have everything together, even those we need to be on the lookout. Say, be on the lookout. Turn to your neighbor and say, be on the lookout. It's very good. You guys said that with some conviction. I, I like that. My second point. I said, repeat after, because I didn't have you repeat the first one. But I'm going to have you repeat this one. Say, Jesus wasn't worried about his poll numbers. And neither should you. So moments before, this is so crazy because if you turn back, let's turn back one chapter. I don't even have to flip my praise. I don't have to flip the page here. If we look back in verse 35, right, verses 35 through 43, we see a story here of a man who was blind sitting on the side of the road. And as the multitude is passing by, he hears the commotion and he says, hey, who's, who's coming by? It's Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. He's coming by. So he begins to shout, right? He begins to shout to Jesus. And it makes Jesus stop. He comes to the man, and we pick up in verse 41 of chapter 18, and says, saying, what do you want me to do for you? This is Jesus speaking. And the man says, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people say, all the people. All the people, right? All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Because it's amazing, right? You see somebody that was blind and now they can see. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, Mouth open and everything. Hopefully, I'll be praising God, right? Hopefully, I'll come to back and be like, oh, let me, let me praise the Lord. So the crowd was pumped, right? They were like, wow, this guy, amazing. Immediately, he received sight. Now, I would say if they took a quick poll, right, of the multitude that was there, Jesus' poll numbers, his approval numbers would be up. Would you agree? They would be through the roof. They'd be like, yeah, Jesus, he's the man. He knows what he's doing. Later, in chapter 19, verse 7, it says, but when they saw it, right, when he called out to Zedekiah and says, come down, because today I must stay at your house. It says, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Apparently, the poll numbers dipped right then. Jesus was no longer popular right there with them people, right? They were criticizing. They're like, hey, man, what you doing? You were doing well over here. Poll numbers were up, and now poll numbers are down because I don't know what's going on. When you extend grace to those that least deserve it, 
expect to hear the wambulance. Y'all know what the wambulance is, right? People complaining. What you doing? You ain't supposed to be hanging out with those people. You ain't supposed to be talking to those people. You're not supposed to be. They're going to complain. Your poll numbers might be down. But again, we go back to, is it not worth it? This is a soul that we're talking about. Is it not? There is nobody that is walking this earth that doesn't need Jesus. You've been uniquely placed where you are, in your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, your home, in order to make an impact right where you are. To those people that you feel might need Jesus, and even to the people that you may not feel like they need Jesus. Because again, the truth still stands. Everyone needs Jesus. Say everyone. Everyone. That's good. It is the sick that are in need of a physician, not the well. So I was thinking about this, and I was like, man, you know, we really do need to reach out to those that we may not feel like, hmm, I don't want to be around those people. These are my people over here. Those are those people over there. causing me to look at myself hard in the mirror and say, Lord, please forgive me. I look back in Matthew 25. If you want to go ahead and turn there with me, Matthew 25, and there's two short verses. And in this portion of scripture, Jesus is talking about end times, right? The judgment. And it says in verse 35, it says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. This is speaking to the righteous. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I would say those people, those are the undesirables. What are you doing specifically for those people that you see like that? That's hard, right? That's hard. Because I know I come up with a million excuses. I'm too busy. I don't want to get involved. That's too messy. I got my own things going on. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I got to do me. They can do them. <laughs> that is so horrible. I mean, do you feel the weight of that? I know. I wanted to make you guys feel good this morning, but I just. Church, what are we doing? Our time here is short. Quick. We could be gone tomorrow. We could be gone this afternoon. Did you make an impact for the kingdom to the people that are around you? Those people that you see all the time.
Now, it's so weird because Zacchaeus, we all, I mean, if you've been in church since you were a kid, you know the story of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, right? And Jesus comes, you know, and says, hey, come down from that sycamore tree. I'm going to go ahead and be with you today. I'm going to hang out and meet with you. But why was this crowd so outraged? Well, first, we got to take a look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was hated. They hated this man. He was a chief collector, tax collector. So he was over the region. So we had other tax collectors under him. His sin was super public. I mean, my man wasn't hiding his sin of greed, right? He was in a position that aligned himself with the enemy, the Romans, the occupants of that region. Now, the Romans, they weren't nice people. They ruled with an iron fist. They were oppressors. Now, think about that. An occupying force and one of your countrymen, because it's supposed to be solidarity, right? One of your countrymen aligns himself with them. That's treasonous, right? You'd be like, no, man, what are you doing hanging out with that guy? That guy is a traitor. He's working for these people. The crazy thing about tax collectors is that the Romans didn't, they, they expected them to collect the money, but they didn't pay them to, to collect the money, so they had to earn their own way. <laughs> but he was a man, wasn't he? And men, we have a propensity to sin. So he had to go ahead and, you know, skim some off the top. He had to go ahead and collect enough for him, right? And to go ahead and pay the Romans too. So he was in a position where, hey, he could be greedy. And what are they going to say? And people got to pay up, right? So he's rich. He had this position. He had this authority. But he was hated by everyone. By everyone. That's why it was so profound when Jesus looked at him and said, hey, I'm coming to your house. And it's crazy because I was thinking about that. I was like, my man just invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus wasn't like, hey, you want to come to my house? No. He said, I'm coming to your house, FYI. <laughs> so hurry up and get down because I got a rumbly in my tumbly, and, you know, we got to go ahead and eat because, you know, I'm God, but I'm a man too, all right? So he didn't say that. He didn't say that, but I'm just saying I, I'm imagining these things now. But why did he do that? Why did Jesus invite himself? Because Zacchaeus wasn't able to invite him. Socially unacceptable, right? This rabbi, this teacher, he couldn't invite him to his house. No self-respecting Jew would have accepted that invitation, right? So what did Jesus have to do? Jesus had to take matters into his own hands and say, I don't care about these social norms, these man-made rules and stuff. I need to meet with you. I need to come to your house. Come down. Prepare a meal. I have to sit with you. It's crazy because we think about a meal and stuff, and we think about going out to eat. But when you have somebody over to your house, that's intimate, is it not? There are discussions that you can have in your home that you can't have out in public. So God wanted to, Christ wanted to meet with him intimately just like he wants to meet with us, right? Hmm. 
so amazing how Jesus just loves us even through our mess. My last point, Jesus' behavior towards Zacchaeus is what created the opportunity for him to repent. I won't have you repeat that, but I'm going to repeat it. Jesus' behavior towards Zacchaeus is what created the opportunity for him to repent. Jesus didn't treat him like everybody else was treating him, right? Everybody else hated him. And if Jesus was concerned about his poll numbers, he would have been like, do you see that man up there? That man's a sinner. <laughs> he didn't do that, did he? What did he do instead? Did he not extend grace to him? Say, hey, listen, I need to meet with you. Jesus saw beyond the social outcast exterior. He tore through the man-made rules to reach a man that sought to know who he was. There was a genuine desire in Zacchaeus to know who Jesus was. So much so that he cast dignity aside and climbed up this sycamore tree like a little boy. There are people around you that are seeking, seeking for answers desperately, seeking to know the Christ that you know. The question is, are you open? Are you too seeking, seeing who God is placing in your path to be able to share? It's so amazing because we see the result of this grace that's extended to Zacchaeus. In verse 8, let's go back. In verse 8, at some point, we don't, we don't know because Luke doesn't give us details, but at some point during the time that they're together, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. This is a crazy, crazy declaration, right? Zacchaeus has had amount, amassed like a great amount of, of wealth, right? Wrongfully at times, I imagine. But when confronted with the grace of God, he is cut to the heart and he's moved to repent and make restitution. So I started, because it was interesting, I'm like, but why fourfold? That's such like a weird thing. Like, why Why not like, hey, I'll go ahead and pay you like half as much or I'll go ahead and just restore what I've taken. So in Jewish law, you know, when, when you sin like this or when you defraud somebody, there's different levels, right? So let's say you take somebody's cow, right? You steal their cow. Vanessa, I stole your cow. But now it's still in my possession and that's, you know, I, I still have it. So if I say, man... I shouldn't have stolen this cow. Because now you don't have a cow. So I'm going to go ahead and bring the cow back. But now I have to go ahead and restore it. Not fourfold, but I think it's like 20%. So because I took it, you know, I didn't consume it or anything like that. I'm going to give it back to you, but I'm going to go ahead and give 20% because of, you know, I did you wrong. Sorry. There were other things where you had to go ahead and pay double, right? But the worst kind, the worst kind was when you took something and you consumed it for yourself. 
So now, not only did I have to restore it, now I have to go ahead and pay back fourfold. So when we see Zacchaeus repenting, we see the depth of what he thought about his sin. He's like, man, I have trespassed in the worst kind of way. And I want to go ahead and repent in that way. So when we take a look at the sin, it's like, man, I've offended. And he's cut to the heart. Because of God's goodness and his grace and his mercy towards them, he's like just deeply convicted. And he's like, man, I need to make this right. I'm going to give half of what I got away. And on top of that, if I did you wrong, I'm going to pay you back fourfold. What an act of repentance. Wouldn't you say that's a genuine repentance? Now, you might say to yourself, did he really do that? Because that's a lot. I'm just saying. He's going to give away half, and then on top of that, the half that he's going to keep, he's got to go ahead and pay back fourfold. That's crazy. But it seems like he didn't care. He's like, I met Jesus. I have all that I need. It was funny, we went away this weekend, uh, the leadership team. And at one moment, we were praying and thanking God for calling, out us, uh, calling us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And as people were praying through that, they were recalling just the deep, dark place of sin that they were at. And the gratitude, the gratitude that they felt then Christ pulled them out. Somebody showed them compassion, shared the gospel with them. We're all sinners in need of a savior. From the best of us to the worst of us. God has called us to be those witnesses. God has called us to be his representatives. He hasn't called us to sift through the people and say, well, this is undesirable. He don't need you. This one, no, he's good. Oh, this one, yes, I can definitely share with them. We need to be led by the spirit. And when God tugs on your heart, on my heart, on our heart, to share. We shouldn't look at the exterior. We shouldn't look at that person and say, nah, I'm not, I'm not going over there. I'm too busy. Or that person's too dirty. Or whatever other excuse you might come up with. He has called us for such a time as this, has he not? Every one of us. And he's empowered us. He doesn't just tell us to go alone, but he has empowered us. His spirit resides in us. Amen? And though the work is great, he is greater, is he not? I mean, that same resurrection power is resident in you, in me. And it is empowering us. It is driving us to make a difference in this world. 
wherever he has placed us. He hasn't places where he's placed us by happenstance. You are that difference in that place. You are his messenger. I love how the portion of scripture ends. Verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Seeking is an active term. It's an active word, right? Seeking. Always reaching out. Always on the lookout for who has got, who got his place in your path. The opportunities are there. I pray for them every single week. You hear me pray for them every single week. That as those opportunities arise, that we would have compassion toward the lost. Just as someone had compassion on us and shared the gospel with us. Because they saw the mess that we were in. And they didn't care what we looked like, how we smelled, where we were, what our status was. They didn't care about that. They cared about sharing the gospel with us. Because they knew that the message they had had eternal implications. You have that same message, and you are charged with doing the same, having compassion on the lost, no matter what they look like. So as we close, God has shown you the grace of Jesus Christ in response to your sin. Are you being that grace that was extended to you? And then who comes to mind when you think of those around you presently? They may be outcasts that you can reach for Christ. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God. We thank you for shining your light of salvation into each and every one of our hearts, my God. We were all on our way to hell each one of us. Father, but because of your love for us, you sent a messenger, my God. And in some cases, you sent several messengers. Some we turned away, dear God, but one day, one day we realized the gravity of our sin, my God. and the awesomeness of your grace. And we realized, dear God, at that moment that we needed you more than anything. Thank you for granting us repentance, my God. Thank you for allowing us to turn, dear God, from our wicked ways and turn to you. Father, my prayer this morning, my God, is that you would remind us, my God, Remind us that we too were outcasts because of our sin. We too were undesirables, dear God, because our desire was not for you, but for our flesh. And yet you showed us grace. You showed us mercy. 
through your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray, my God, that we would do the same for others. That when we see, my God, that you are moving us to have those conversations, I pray that you would give us boldness, my God. I pray that we would be aware, dear God, when you are inviting us to participate in your kingdom work, eternal work, God work. I pray that we would be ready, dear God, the soldiers in the army that you have called us to be in, my God. Help us to be faithful to that calling, to not just be disciples, but to make disciples, my God. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus in this place.